Welcome to Talking Property, where you get the inside information into what's going on in the Australian and Asian property markets from leading property and investment experts. Welcome to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property Podcast. I'm Nelson Yap, editor and publisher of Australian Property Journal. My guest today is Michael Nitschke, the State Director of Queensland for MaxCap Group. Welcome, Michael, to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property Podcast. Thank you, Nelson. Great to be here. Michael, let's uh, get straight into it. Uh, the topic on everyone's minds is the uh, interest rate rise that we had last week. Um, economists are forecasting rates will rise several times this year and will probably reach 2% by year end and 2.5% by mid-2023. So I guess being the... Um, man from finance, what does that mean for project uh, financing or the, how does that impact the project debt financing markets? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Obviously, it is, it's very topical at the moment. Um, I, I guess one thing to, to point out is um, whilst the, the official rate has risen, you know, just, just recently, there has been, you know, we as, you know, as MaxCap, we, we don't pretend to be interest rate experts, so we do rely on the experts who are providing us, you know, with forecasting, which is effectively the forward yield curve. So, so it's something that we have been um, looking at for, for some period of time. Um, there has been a positive rate curve, you know, for some time now. So it is, as part of our sensitising, we absolutely do look at what is the impact over that the term of each project that we're looking at. And we have done for for some time, as I mentioned, it, it's not a surprise, I guess, is the, the positive thing. And it wouldn't be for the majority of financiers. They, they would be looking at what impact and, and how much um, each feasibility and each developer can absorb in terms of additional interest costs. So so that that is the key. So um, it has been something we've been looking at for a period and it is something that we'll continue to, to need to to assess over the you know the coming months and, and probably years in terms of as we work through this, um, so it is a case of can the feasibility absorb it? Uh, is there additional equity required? And, and there's typically and there's not a standard answer in terms of you know, how we deal with it on a it's a project by project and strength of sponsor and and length of um, development. Some developments are short term, so it's going to have a, a less of an impact. And others are certainly, you know, two and three year facilities are, are very different um, uh, requirements. And I, I suppose the market, as you said, it wasn't much of a surprise. I think half, although half of the market said that, you know, it wasn't going to rise until June. So it was, has that been factored in already by financiers that um, interest rates are going to rise this year and, and then next year? Yeah, it was when, I guess, I guess you um, us as an example, because that's what I live in, live and breathe. And it's it's gone from, I guess, a, a possible to now probable um, is probably, so the weighting's probably higher. So whereas it was a case of here is, let's set a, a base rate and we'd still look at it um, generally as, as a fixed cost, but we'd then, you know, sensitivities would be a case of, you know, that is what the forward curve is, is, is telling us it, it may get to. We know that we're now in, you know, the last three to four months, it's really, you know, the rhetoric has changed and, and the environment has changed that we, and we have to change our settings accordingly. So um, so from a developer's perspective, it's probably something that they've really needed to focus on in the last few months. And it may not have been something that had been as focused as we have, but most financiers would have been looking um, at this as a prospect. And what about on... Um, uh... How does that impact the investor market on the equity side? 
Yeah, that one's a little more complex and probably a little more to play out. Um, you look at it from an investor sphere, um, most valuations are, you know, five and, and most likely even 10-year um, projections. So, so if this is, we, we've got to work out, is this the long-term or is it a shorter-term trend? You would have seen some of the commentary where um, some experts are expecting that, you know, this may even unwind in a year or two because, you know, the inflation, you know, this is more structural than, than permanent. Uh, and I guess that's what we're still waiting for, you know, the full extent of that to work through. Um, you look at even, you know, hotel um, assets during COVID, um, you know, trade went from, you know, 60 and 70 as being the sort of normal occupancy down to, you know, single digits. Um, but the valuations didn't plummet um, because, again, the experts were looking through um what they you know, perceived the risk COVID and, and how things would come out the other side. And I guess there's still a, a little bit of that to play out. Um, there's certainly industries where you, you look at office, you know, they've had to deal with, you know, the, the COVID lockdowns and, and work from home um, print, yeah, practices. Uh, hopefully a lot of that work um, lockdown, hopefully a lot of that's behind us, certainly fingers crossed on that one. And um Look at yeah, even you know the work from home. We're hoping that's starting to unwind, so you get the CBDs really activated again. Um, so, so they're positives when you're looking at an office environment, but we just don't know how positive that is because ultimately, um, you know, the equities, you know, the equity um, value is, is based on you know stability of, of of the revenues coming from those particular assets and and where we assess that against you know risk free rates. So, you know, theoretically risk rates are going up you know that's the pressure you know that yields will go up but it's just a matter of you know is there things you know, with office hopefully their um their revenues are increasing industrial we see rates are, are certainly going up so there will be mitigates yeah mitigates against you know those rising yields so so some yeah so hopefully there is some you know strong mitigates in there with with the revenue to um, to sort of balance that and we don't have any major uh, valuation impacts. Mm. And obviously, you know, interest rates are factoring in at, uh, to all the discussions about project viability um, and we've also got construction costs as well and a, a number of factors, you know, contributing to that. Um, what does that do for, uh, you know, projects going forward or developers that are now looking at projects, the viability of yeah, well, it is. It's a challenge at the moment. To so construction costs. I think you know that that is and that is something that we've we've seen that is probably more of a factor than than, than interest rates at the moment. Um, neither of them help um, in terms of from a viability perspective. But construction costs, I guess, again, we've got that. We have seen the escalation. That's already that that is real. Um, so that has come through over the last six to twelve months and. You look at the sort of two key factors that I see uh, in that, which is which is labour and supply constraints, and yeah, you know, we don't have a, a great deal of control over that domestically. Um, so labour is, you know, I talk about the, the southeast Queensland market, which I'm across day to day, and we're running it, you know, pretty close to full capacity from a labour perspective. So it's hard to see, you know, how that you know, constraint. Is you know is relaxed or improves in the in the very short term. Hopefully, international borders opening up might provide some you know some benefit. But again, um, I think that just takes a while for that to to work through. And same with supply constraints across materials. We've obviously got you know the, 
the war in the Ukraine, which is which is terrible for a number of reasons. But um, in terms of when you relay that to the construction market, you just you know, any impacts that that's providing, you don't see that as 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 unwinding in the short term. And and China again with the um, zero COVID um, and the impacts that lockdowns have uh, on the, the global logistics. Um, yeah, again, I'm not sure how quickly that unwinds. I guess we're hoping that it doesn't get worse, that we've actually seen, you know, we are sort of coping with the worst of it from a logistics and supply perspective, but, um, you know, how quickly it can improve, that's um, a little bit of a wait and see on that. But, I mean, that's a long way of saying it is challenging um, the um, the viability of projects at the moment. Absolutely. I I, um, I looked into uh, just a separate market from obviously you're in Queensland. I live in Melbourne in Victoria and the Victorian government has had to actually slow down the pace of constru- the rollout of con- infrastructure projects because of a labour shortage, um, labour shortages. And I think I saw a report by Infrastructure Australia that says that within, you know, the construction space that there's a short, we will, peak at 130,000 people um, in, in labour shortages. That's what's required to get all these projects, um, go, you know, uh, <laughs> off the ground and, and, and going strong. So whilst we, you know, governments and governments uh, have got these big infrastructure projects that they're rolling out and plus developers, the key component still is the um, labour. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we have to figure that out. Mm. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, um, yeah, there's, I've seen or heard uh, a few figures and that's, um, yeah, that's probably the higher, but it, it doesn't surprise me um, in terms of the people when borders shut, um, you know, there was certainly a number of, you know, skilled labour um, and trades was certainly one of those industries that was in, impacted construction um, and sort of 70 and 80,000 I've heard fairly consistently as, as people who have, um, have left Australia as a result of those shutdowns, so and yeah, and that's so. Even if they all come back on those numbers, you're still talking about some some shortage. So, so I guess I mean, if you're going to take a positive out of that, um, you know, there's going to be the demand side is going to be strong for a fair period of time uh, across because it just we can't you can't see this type of environment creating an oversupply. Um, but it is from a housing perspective, it's it's critical that we're uh, delivering product into the right areas. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to turn to your backyard, which is Queensland. Um, uh, there's a lot happening right now. Um, where are we seeing activity uh, in the different regions or the different cities? Yeah, it, well, South West Queensland has been very strong. Um, Gold Coast has been, um, they're going through a really strong cycle at the moment. Um, that's probably leading, um, and that's in, I guess, the, the higher density. Um, there's been... And it has been focused at the local market. So there's been a fair amount of luxury and higher-end product, which is which has been catering for the local market. And that's been the last, call it 12 to 24 months, the majority of, of the demand has been um, to the local market and that luxury. Um, that's residential. Um, and now that's, that's well and truly uh, underway and we are being... In future delivery has been impacted by the, those labour constraints and, and supply constraints. So we see that as um, now starting to transition into more affordable um, product within the Gold Coast, um, that sort of mid-range project. But again, that will, in terms of how quickly that's delivered and how quickly that transitions, uh, will 
purely be driven by um, the labour and material markets. Uh, but that's had some really strong demand. We have started to see interstate demand from, uh, from for that product as well, a luxury product. Um, so, so which is just following the, the migration numbers. So, so that's fairly consistent with what we're seeing in it. Um, in, into Brisbane, but there hasn't been the, the construction, um, same construction levels uh, up in Brisbane. Um, there has been still, again, uh, luxury apartments, sort of river and, and inner, inner city. Uh, there has been some, but it's not at the same uh, volumes as we've been seeing down on the Gold Coast. Uh, industrial is going very strongly through um, through the Brisbane market and, and anywhere really along that main uh, logistics corridor um, Brisbane has a, a very efficient sort of port to, to main, you know, highway, freeway network. Um, so, so any industrial zoned land that you can get along or within good access to, to those main roads uh, has been very much hot property. And that's been, um, you know, all the inst- main institutions uh, are very active up here and um, there's, it's fairly scarce to be able to find, you know, really good workable industrial sites. So so that that's the Brisbane market. We, we do see, you know, moving into um, yeah, the Olympics that you know that there'll certainly be more focus on development in, in Brisbane but at the moment it has been more around the um, from a house and land perspective around the periphery so the Logan um, and more western and northern corridors have, have, have been very very strong with land sales again um, particularly like a Logan and the sort of between for for those viewers in terms of between you know Brisbane CBD and and the Gold Coast um, really strong and really hard to get good sites and available lots in that area similar north when you're heading north of Brisbane uh, land sales have been particularly strong and there isn't a whole lot of supply um, so that's sort of coming that's sort of working through and then out to the west there is a lot more supply um, that's where they're also needing to to bring the amenity uh, as they develop whereas the the south and the north, there's already, you know, really good access to amenity. So that's sort of goes to, um, to why there's, there's such strong demand um, for that. Uh, so this, yeah, I guess that's really been the focus. There hasn't been, in terms from a commercial perspective, there has been projects going ahead in Brisbane, but it's you know, reasonably subdued uh, at the moment. But we do expect that to ramp up in, in the, the near term. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. And I suppose that's my that leads to my next question, you know, the different sectors. Obviously, we've had two years of... Um, uh, COVID sort of, you know, impacting and uh, people sort of sitting on the sidelines, not knowing what, you know, what will happen, what are structural and what are just trends. So are we in the, I want to now look at the different sectors. Um, are we seeing a lot of activity in hotel, offices, industrial, um, retail? Where are we seeing activity or where developers are, you know, targeted? Yeah, in terms of hotels, we Gold Coast, um, I guess really Gold Coast and, and Brisbane, we can combine. There hasn't been a, a whole lot in the very recent. We have, I mean, we're involved in a really exciting project, uh, Mondrian down in in Burley. Um, that's a you know, high-end that luxury product, and that's very welcome into the, you know, to, um, 
there hasn't been a lot of new product delivered to its hotel product. I mean, Langham's have just come up onto Gold Coast, which is um, which is an existing project at Jewel. But in terms of Gold Coast, there hasn't been a lot of new hotel product delivered. Um, Brisbane, probably two or three years ago, had um, some some new inclusions at this five-star level with the W and Western, maybe even a year before that, and a few into the um, the Fortitude Valley and New Farm. So there's probably sufficient for now. Um, and with the Queen's Wharf, which is a, you know, a huge development down on the water with the casino, and that'll introduce another two sort of four-and-a-half to five-star hotels. So so that's, so there has been investment into the market, um, and there's, you know, from discussions with, you know, valuers and agents, there still is demand, absolute demand for within within Brisbane, and you know it is seen as a, as a growing market. Um, and again, it, it is probably building for you know what we're expecting over the next three to five years, as as opposed to an absolute need now. Um, in terms of the office, you know, we've got a, a large institutional. Um, Landlords that are very supportive of the Brisbane market. So Dexas is, um, you know, we're in um, Eagle Street, just across the, um, the road from us. Dexas is, is preparing to do a large, you know, twin tower project on the river. Um, we've got Seabuses looking to do one around on North Quay, which is um, still on the fringe of the city. Um, and QIC, uh, who's our, uh, another large um, superannual um Owner of and manager of um, government funds, so a pension fund, effectively a local, um, is been appointed as the, the development manager of all our the cross river rail that is going on in major infrastructure project. Uh, anything on top of those, they're managing um, the development of. And there's another large twin tower office project um, that they'll be looking to to bring to market over the next few years as well. So so there is investment into the um, the office market. Industrial, as I said, that's wherever you can get the land. It, it is, you know, that's being sought after. So there is absolutely is um, institutional investment and development of larger scale industrial and smaller uh, wherever it's available. Uh, retail is is absolutely um, discretionary. So it's very targeted, um, you know, and we are growing and expanding like all um, of the, the major Australian cities. So so that's where the focus has been on, on retail Um Again, not as not as heavy as the the industrial, um, which probably supports the shopping from home and online um, thesis that's um, been building over the last few years. Mm. I, I suppose it it's that one of those things that um, you know, as more and more people shop online, we're going to see more yeah retail developments focus on the um, supermarket anchored type uh, centres that um, we've already seen that now in Victoria. So. I, um, going forward, I think that's where most of the activity will be happening. We don't see any big shopping centre constructions now in Victoria. No, no, it, absolutely mm. not. It's almost what do we do with, you know, it's a, I guess it's a, a concept or a structure that worked um, and will continue to work, but it just needs tweaks to it. So how do we, it's not mm. going to be pure retail going forward, you know, what other elements, whether it is more office, whether it's introducing retail, um, making it more, you know, a holistic um, 
precinct rather than just retail. But yeah, I guess yeah, mm. that's smarter minds than uh, than mine. We'll, uh, we'll work through that, <laughs> Nelson. But um, yes, we are. It's absolutely yeah. the same. We are seeing anything new is is really being targeted at new development. Mm. Now, I, of course, still staying with Queensland and particularly about apartment developments. Um, I know. Pre-COVID, we've written about this in on the Australian Property Journal that you know the market was heading to a, a oversupply, um, and then COVID hit, and New South Wales and Victorian residents thought, "Oh, I don't like this lockdown. I want to uh, go to Queensland." Um, and we saw interstate migration. Um, I think the Queensland government figures came out and said that thirty thousand nine hundred thirty-nine people moved, which is the fastest gro- pace of growth in twenty years. Um, as a result, we saw uh, now Queensland now, I think uh, SQM shows that the vacancy re- apartment vacancy rate is 1.1% only. And the Charterkit Kramer shows uh, only 2,000 unit completions are expected in 2023 and then 1,300 in 2024. So if these trends continue, um, obviously, you know, markets, uh, the, the, the unit rents will continue to increase, et cetera. Um, where is the Brisbane market facing severe undersupply uh, for a part of apartments? Uh, it's certainly trending that way. So, and I think even um, there might have even been updated figures that it's the vacancy rate across. Well, it's across the whole housing market is now sub one percent. So it's point eight or point nine, and that might include housing. So, and the Gold Coast is at I think point six to point seven um, as well. So, so they're already is an, a relative undersupply because you can't expect that 100% of the market is, in fact, um, livable. Um, so we are certainly in that phase at the moment. And and it's also, from an investment perspective, you're looking at housing has, has been very strong over the last 12 months in Brisbane from a price perspective, has seen really strong growth. Apartments have been, you know, have been solid. They've been up. 10 to 12% in apartments as well. But you're now seeing the value gap as well. It's getting towards that all-time high of nearly 50% um, pricing gap between median apartment and housing price. So so you've got, um, so you have certainly got the drive from a value perspective, future value, as well as the demand side is definitely there. It is just how available is is, um, labour and materials to meet it. So, I guess that's that is the question that we'll find. Will it become a material um, undersupply, as you're saying, uh, or how quickly can um, can builders and developers um, get to market with new approvals? We're certainly aware that the activity has certainly increased in the last six to twelve months, and that is around you know, getting back to you know, getting. Um, development approvals in and and looking at um, either buying new sites or amalgamating sites. There certainly has been a lot more activity over the last six to 12 months in that regard. So I do see that there is the potential to bring supply on quickly. It is just, again, back to that workforce and the same constraints we're seeing, you know, or it's nationally, not just at Queensland. Uh, it is that national constraint on, on supply of um, builders. 
MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. Looking at, obviously, now you mentioned that the um, vacancy rates are sub 1% now. Um, there seems to be also, a bit, aside from the labour shortages and all these constraints that are putting on, um, on on building new product and bringing them online, um, I want to talk about build to rent. And there's a lot of discussion that build to rent could fill in that gap um, that uh, the build to sell model is not uh, catering enough to it, you know. Or, or, or and um, the looking at it, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games Village was the first built to rent project, uh, housing project in Australia. Um, and, you know, we were expecting big things to come from it. But built to rent supply in Queensland, from what I can see from the data, is that there were only 200 apartments built to rent apartments completed in 2020 and 89 in 2021. Why is that still low? Uh, built to rent still low in Queensland? Yeah, from a finance, and, and I guess, again, we're getting, we are getting more inquiry, uh, I think, in terms of from um, private developers to, to bring it. So there's a few schemes that have um, that are underway or either are about to be brought to market or, or certainly well advanced in that process. Um, from a financing perspective, there's continues to be a challenge around when we look at a project, you look at what is what is your natural exit. Um, and, and moving into something like this would be um, yeah, term finance is, is the most obvious because it is a it's a long term asset. We're actually setting it up for um, yeah, long term operation as a built to rent product. At, at the moment, we don't have real secondary market evidence, or there there's there's limited, shall I say, secondary market evidence to start building that um, that. Theory, you know, the, the valuation theory around, you know, where where should a built rent asset be trading? Um, you know, it's obviously the markets are very mature. You know, through Europe and the US, they do have that, and it's is it an established commercial, effectively a commercial asset? Here, we don't have that as yet. So, so when we're looking at what is the natural um, exit, it would be refinance into the term market. The term market is looking at it very conservatively because they don't have that. You know, record of well, then from our exit as a term funder, what is what is that secondary market and what is that secondary value? So, so we are still seeing some constraints, particularly from the private um, developers, that the, the returns are still challenging um, on that basis, where they're putting you know, significant amount of equity up up front or a more conservative amount of equity, and they would putting it into other asset classes. So that that still a, is some challenge. Um, from the fundamentals, are they improving to support the industry? Absolutely, they are. I mean, all the things that we've been talking about in terms of you know, vacancy below 1% across you know, a market of now you know, close enough to, to 4 million people, that absolutely supports um, uh, a built rent product, especially if it's being you know, developed in, in, in good locations with good amenity and access to, to infrastructure, um, absolutely, it supports it. It's just we just need to to work through that that whole process and that whole um, secondary market, and also that we can get comfort in that finance market, so it, it becomes um, easier to fund.
and finance for, for private developers. Mm. Now, I want to um, circle back and talk about construction uh, construction costs. Um, I know I, I know that I've noticed that uh, developers are now looking to lock in their you know trade costs for 2020, 2023. But it seems like that task is not as easy with inflation rising um, that we saw from the ABS figures released uh, only a fortnight ago, which you know prompted the uh, the Reserve Bank to increase the interest rates. Um, and then you've got supply chain constraints uh, constraints remaining with um, the. China's zero COVID policies. So what do developers need to do to mitigate construction risks in Queensland? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, if I had the absolute answer here, I'd be, I think I'd be a very popular and rich person, Nelson. But if you go back to, I guess, the fundamentals and you look at, you know, in, in the current environment, you strip it back to, you know, trades like everyone else is seeking a level of certainty around, you know, making being paid for their current work and making their profit and being able to pay their employees and uh and and building longer term relationships so that yeah in two or three years time whether this is you know improved which we're all hoping it will be um you know then they've you know they've done okay and they've got a you know happy and healthy future ahead um and so they're looking to work with builders who they have, you know, ideally that relationship with, who they know that they can work with if things, you know, because things are still going to be variable for the next period of time. Um, so that's where they're going to look at, again, you know, looking at people they have experience with, they, you know, they, they know or they're more likely um, outcomes, you know, that they've, you know, they've negotiated previously, they got, they're comfortable with that. And, again, that they will be having those longer-term relationships and building with. So... So ultimately, from a developer perspective, it is not just looking at simply at a builder, and it is also looking at their relationships through their to their really core and key trades for that particular project, whatever that project is. That's a that's a really key part of it. It's not just looking at the you know the first line of defence, I guess, which is the which is the builder who's going out to organise everything. It is actually going the next step. And understanding, you know, the quality that sits behind that as well, and and how the the relationships work, and that, that's to extend what um, you know, financiers have started to do as well. It's not, you know, we do get comfort with, you know, when, again, when we've had great relationships and working relationships with the with a lot of builders, we do get comfort, but we still are looking through to the next level, just get that extra comfort around, particularly the core um, trades, um, just. And it is just that extra level of comfort you need at the moment. Yeah. Um, I suppose now I would like you to appear into the crystal ball, um, <laughs> forward-looking, the road to the Olympics. Um, it's uh, the topic that's a lot uh, that's on a lot of people's minds. Um, earlier you touched upon, you know, the hotel market, um, where that's going. Obviously, you know, we're going to, by 2032, we're going to get a lot of visitors coming into Brisbane uh, for the Olympics. So what are the benefits for the property market in the near term? And, um, you know, what will that do for house prices? Uh, you know, we've, and we have evidence from that, from the Sydney Olympics. So what do you think will happen? Yeah, well, I think one of the great things about it, and I think this is a, as a general move, but this is the first Olympics where it's really been a focus has been the regional 
um, focus so it's not just a Brisbane Olympics as much as that will be you know obviously the um, the centerpiece the city it'll be the regions as well so it will be it'll be the Gold Coast it'll be the Sunshine Coast it'll be sort of regional cities around like Toowoomba and even North um, Queensland will be involved so particularly when you're focusing on Southeast Queensland to make that really work the connectivity between all of those core hubs is going to have to be improved and that comes back to you know what infrastructure is going to um, be needed and what they're going to have to push um, in that time leading up. So, you know, improving, uh, you know, speeding up the, the trains between, you know, the Gold Coast, Brisbane and Sunshine Coast, that's a fantastic initiative. And that sort of, all of a sudden it brings three and four regions into one connected region of, you know, sort of four to five million people and it becomes, all of a sudden it becomes really global in size for a city. Um, so that, that's a huge outcome um, for or southeast Queensland, rather not just Brisbane. Um, in terms of what does it do for you know, future development, we've already seen. Um, you know, again, they're looking at putting in the the Olymp- essentially the Olympic Committee for for authorities um, for, for Olympic zones and and what development comes through and, and really working directly with those um, authorities to to ramp up. Development. So one of the key areas, the Woolongabba area, the Gabba, uh, as um, in the cricket ground, that will be redeveloped as the, um, the Olympic Stadium. And around that area, there's a precinct plan that will bring a whole lot of development in from and gentrify an area. And that's not, yeah, you know, that's obviously a really key aspect of it because it's, you know, that's what's going to be presented to the world. Um, that the, but there's also other precincts that, that are going to fast track development. For that reason, um, so that's bringing a lot of amenity into you know, inner city precincts. Um, it's improving infrastructure, and it's improving infrastructure ahead of the need for it, which is which is what we always ask for, but you know is rarely delivered. So I think there's a real opportunity to do that and, and provide that infrastructure to so that we are. It is going to be a growing city. It's going to be a growing precinct. So to actually have infrastructure to provide for that, you know, in line or even in advance of that growth. Um, that, that's huge from a livability perspective because ultimately that's still one of the key things that we're selling you know, through the pandemic has been that you know, the livability of, you know, of southeast Queensland. So, so, so that's a real positive. Uh, in terms of housing prices, yeah, I think um, you know, that continued population and you look at you know, the, the key industries are very supportive of that population in terms of services related health and education. So, so there, that that'll continue to to attract um, migration, uh, both domestically and hopefully internationally, as that you know that becomes more normal again. Um, but also the jobs that we will, you know, there will be a, a focus uh, on those infrastructure pro- projects and the priority to deliver those to um, for the Olympics again. That's going to provide more jobs and more skills into into. Brisbane, hopefully some of them stay, uh, as they typically do. So that's, uh, you know, that extra demand, we've already said, you know, there's already um, from a demand side for, for housing, you know, that's that's not in question at the moment. It's more just the delivery. So so I think that there is a lot of additional positives and we're already starting to see them in terms of starting to see the, those infrastructure. And there's certainly an excitement and a buzz in, in and around um, Brisbane about what what is to come. 
No, there's a, a lot of uh, judging from, you know, the, the evidence that we had from Sydney leading up to the Olympics and then the uh, the growth that led to it. Then subsequently after, um, it really did put the uh, the city on the map globally. So I think that mm. the two, 2032 will do the same thing for Brisbane. Um, hopefully Melbourne will get a chance to host again <laughs> one day and we'll be back. <laughs> that would be great. Um, but thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm hoping. I'm thinking. You know, hopefully we we'll put a good committee uh, pr- proposal sometime soon. Um, but thank you again very much, Michael, for uh, joining me on Australian Property Journal's Talking Pro- Talking Property Podcast. Been an absolute pleasure, Nelson. Thank you.